We are the Narrators 3, Elisa, Lynn, and Chell. And this is Once Upon a Rewatch, where every plot device comes with a price. Hi everyone, welcome to Once Upon a Rewatch. Today we're going to cover Season 1, Episode 5, That Still Small Voice. Uh, the air date was November 27, 2011. Our writers were Adam Horowitz, Edward Kitsis, and Jane Espenson. Espenson will end up writing 30 episodes of Once Upon a Time. Uh, her work also includes writing for shows such as Warehouse 13, Torchwood, Caprica, Battlestar Galactica, Dollhouse, and of course, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. She is also an executive producer for Once Upon a Time. Uh, the director is Paul A. Edwards. Uh, his directing credits include Pushing Daisies, Heroes, Fringe, Lost, The Blacklist, Sleepy Hollow, Gotham, and two more episodes of Once Upon a Time. Man, I love almost all those shows. For the title card this time was actually Rumpelstiltskin's Spinning Wheel. Um, interesting choice. We begin the episode in the Enchanted Forest, where people are enjoying a fair and a puppet show while a young boy works the crowd picking pockets. I have no idea why these people are so into this puppet show. It's really not funny. And they're all in hysterics, and I don't get it unless the point of the scene is supposed to be that peasants, like, don't have a sense of humor. Um, puppet shows were, I think, oftentimes how, like, uh, gossip traveled. But, like, like, literally it's just things like the princess going, it was nice knowing you to the prince, and they're like, that's funny, he's gonna <laughs> die. And I'm like, you guys are dumb. Uh, life before the internet, am I right? <laughs> simpletons they're just simpletons living in their cg village with the unfunny puppet show with the unfunny yeah. puppet show uh so after the show the boy revealed to be a young jiminy takes the money back to the puppet wagon where his parents martin and myrna are waiting for him the boy notices they have a cricket and admired it because it's free to go where it wills jiminy says he would like to be someone else someone good However, his parents tell him it's best to be what you are, and they are what they are, and that's all there is to it. Man, do I love a good renaissance fair. You know, it was my childhood dream to work a ren fair circuit shearing sheep or reading tarot or something with my tits half out. Also, is it me or did Jiminy's parents give off serious Tanade vibes? Like, I'm half expecting them to break out in song and start singing Master of the House. <laughs> Yeah, literally my note for the scene was LOL Master of the House plays in the distance. Yeah, and mine was this whole thing really is a poor man's lame is raw. <laughs> so I'm glad we're all in alignment. We all there. agree on that one. Also, uh, please let us appreciate yet another adorable gender child. I noticed uh, Jiminy's father is actually the mayor from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And so I'm wondering if Jane um, Epson actually wrote this part with him in mind. 100%. I, I, yes, I do believe so. Um, both of those actors are known, you know, they are known people. So the, they were very specifically casted for this. Back in storybook. Uh, Henry meets with Archie for his therapy session and says Archie wasn't always a cricket, but a human first. Henry also points out that there are no crickets in Storybook. Archie presses Henry why it's so important to him that the curse is real. Henry can't explain. Archie asks him to think about it because he believes there's a deeper meaning buried there. The lack of crickets in Storybrooke is an interesting anomaly. Is it purely because of Jiminy or is it like all insects, which would wreak havoc on the ecosystem? But like, I don't know, they don't, they don't explain it. And I don't know if it's just like, like the curse, you know, is like, oh, 
my mistress does not like crickets. Therefore, there shall be no crickets in this cursed town. <laughs> you know, like Disneyland. Like Disneyland. Yeah, I'm wondering, uh, my thought is maybe it has something to do with like a magical barrier, keeping like the outside world from entering. But they make it very specific that it's like, not like there's no bugs in here. It's like, there's no crickets. So I think you're right. I think it might actually be like a particular quirk of Regina's to be like, no crickets. Uh, another thing I want to say about the scene is that Archie has a very calming presence. I just, I really love that actor, Raphael, right? Raphael? Yeah, Raphael, yeah. Raphael? Yeah, he's so calming. I just, he relaxes me. I'm just like, Yeah, oh. agreed. Hard agree. So Emma meets with stupid handsome Graham to accept her deputy position, but she isn't keen on wearing the deputy's uniform. Handsome Graham. Perfect Graham. Beautiful Graham. You know, you don't have to dress a woman like a man to give her authority. Yes, queen. That is the Jane Espenson line, if I ever heard one. I, I do really love Jane Espenson. I'm excited to, you know, explore her episodes, like, like learn which episodes are hers. Because um, she penned a fair number of my favorite Buffy episodes. She wrote one of my absolute favorite Firefly episodes. So what's the Firefly episode that you love so much that she did? Uh, she wrote Shindig. She, oh, I was just gonna say episode. I was gonna say, did she write the one where Kaylee has the beautiful dress? Yeah, she wrote the one where Kaylee has the beautiful dress. Yes! That's, that's the best episode of Firefly. Love, that is the best episode. So much. Yeah. Yeah, that's the uh, best episode. Um, and also really enjoyed the work that she did on Gilmore Girls. So as um, as did I. She does the reigning Lorelai. She does do the reigning Lorelai, yeah. I love that episode. A really Such... good episode. And she uh I, I'm sure this poor capable woman also had her uh, Buffy credit stolen by uh, he who shall not be named. Yeah. Oh, 100%, because that's what he did. I've, mm. you know, I've, I've watched Buffy a fair amount of times. Like, I feel like a lot of the voice that we know as Buffy, um, that, that, that language of that show was so much of it was her. You know more than I do about it. What, like off the top of your head, what are some, what are some Jane Buffy episodes? Band Candy, such a good episode. I love Band Candy. So many episodes. You know my favorite season seven episode, uh, Storyteller. Like, mm. so that's when we look back in Buffy, we don't have to think about a crappy man. We can think about how much uh, Jane Jane brought to us. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah, he was shit, but like there was lots of very good people doing the real grunt work on the show. Yeah, exactly. Because that cast was wonderful. Yeah, the cast was wonderful. And there was a team of absolutely phenomenal writers working on it, which is why like, as much as I absolutely hate that guy, I don't feel like I have to like give up on Buffy and never look back at it. She wrote a really good Game of Thrones episode too, because she did a golden crown from the first. Uh, yes, that's a oh, great yeah. episode. That episode was baller. That was back before I had to divorce Game of Thrones. <laughs> All right. Stupid sexy Graham insists that she at least wear a badge. As she puts it on, the ground shakes and the phone calls start coming in. Okay, my fellow California natives who felt that Hollywood quake on a visceral level, raise your hand. <laughs> they drive out to the mine where the ground has collapsed. Mayor Mills is organizing the gathering crowds and tells Emma it's town business so she can go. Emma informs Regina of her deputization. Regina is less than thrilled with this news and glares accusingly at Graham. Regina is just mad because this is going to make it a lot harder to arrest Emma every 10 minutes. She orders Emma to manage the gathering crowd before addressing the townspeople that they'll reclaim the area, fill in the mines, and pave it over. Uh, when Henry and Archie arrive, Henry hears her announcement and asks what will happen if someone is down in the mine shaft. His mother tells him to step back and then notices a piece of decorative glass on the ground. 
Henry asks what it is. Regina pockets it and says it's nothing and then orders Emma and Graham to cordon off the area. Henry is ordered to the car but calls over Archie and Emma, warning them that they can't let Regina fill the tunnels. He insists Emma's presence is weakening the curse and asks if she did anything different. She shows him her deputy badge. Um, Archie in the scene being like, I didn't realize that was an Operation Cobra, uh, was really endearing. I think that little moment was really cute. (laughs) Very cute. Uh, Regina comes over, orders Henry back into the car, and tells Emma to focus on her job. She then tells Archie they need a new treatment plan because Henry thinks everything she's doing just bolsters his conspiracy theories. When Archie warns against it, Regina threatens to reduce him to nothing if he doesn't cooperate. After a moment, Archie asks what he should do. Regina tells him to crush Henry's delusion. Back in the Enchanted Forest, a now-adult Jiminy visits the fair with his parents and objects to the fact that they're going to steal from the people. Martin and Myrna insist they are getting old and need the money and are too ill to do anything else. An obvious bluff. Ugh. These guys are assholes. Remember, folks, you are not able to control the family you are born into, but you can eventually choose who you call family. That's my PSA for this episode. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. That night, Jiminy sets up the puppet stage while the rain pours down. An adorable cherub of a boy with an umbrella comes up to chat with him, but Jiminy is grouchy and makes it known he does not particularly enjoy his line of work. The boy asks why he doesn't do something else, but Jiminy says there's nothing else. The boy says he came to hear the crickets and offers Jiminy his umbrella as he lives nearby. As he runs off, Jiminy holds up the umbrella and listens to the crickets chirp. The small ginger child just has the most wooden exposition ever. It's really terrible. Puppets, wow, what a great job you have. It's just, I don't know, it was so funny to me. And yeah, this really made me appreciate Henry because it's really, it's a world of difference when it comes to, to child actors. Yeah. Cute kid though, cute kid. I don't think that one was the small ginger child. The small ginger child was Jiminy. This is This brunette. kid's ginger too, isn't he? And he's brunette. Brunette. Well, all children look alike to me. <laughs> Fair. Fair and play. you can leave that in. I do not care. Fair play. Fair play. Fair play. But that scene with Jiminy with the umbrella in the rain and like his water drops like covered glasses and then just like happily smiling listening to the crickets is just like the cutest, purest thing. It it was just so charming. I, I thought it was really cute. Yeah. Um, I have to say, I think this entire episode is an ode to Raphael Sparage. I don't Sparage. I unfortunately do not know how to enunciate his last name, but the wonderful actor who plays Archie slash Jiminy Cricket. Yeah, I always said Esparge, but I don't think that's right. It might be those Esparge. No one's corrected me yet. (laughs) But I feel like this is, like this was really his moment to shine and shine he fucking did. Oh yeah, he's just, he's lovely in this episode. He's really good in it. And his facial expressions in particular are just chef kiss. Yeah, he sells it. He sells it so well. He's like in these CG environments. Uh, he's he's acting with these really cartoonish characters. Uh, and he just feels so genuine. Yeah. We return to Storybrooke at Archie's office. Marco comes by to see if Archie is free for lunch, but realizes he's meeting with Henry for another session. After Marco leaves, Henry insists that Marco is really Geppetto, and that Geppetto and Jiminy Cricket are best friends. Henry then shows Archie his backpack with equipment and candy to search the mines. Archie stops him, 
saying Henry's delusions are becoming psychosis, and if Henry does not get them under control, Henry will be locked away. Archie tells Henry his nonsense must end. Devastated, Henry runs off. Damn, Archie. Regina leans on you a little and you fold like a shitty poker hand. This scene is so upsetting. Like, it's so traumatizing for this poor little boy. I just have Richard Gilmore uh, in my head from Gilmore Girls going like, you crushed that girl, except for, you know, boy. So it's just him being like, you crushed that boy. I'm like, Archie, you crushed that boy. Yeah, that is exactly that scene where he tells off uh, Mitchum Huntsberger. Yeah, yep. Yeah. Meanwhile, at Storybrooke General Hospital, Mary Margaret meets with David Nolan, uh, the recently comatose patient. They play hangman, but David admits he still doesn't remember his life before the accident. Mary Margaret assures him he's making new memories just fine. In an attempt at flirty banter, David suggests he likes his new memories better. As they start another game, David's wife, Catherine, comes in. Mary Margaret leaves, and Catherine shows David photos of their old dog, Ajax, who David claims to remember. Catherine is a nice person, and I'm glad that we have her to counter Princess Abigail. Uh, this scene, uh, David and Mary Margaret, they just, they really do have amazing chemistry together. Uh, they're so cute in every scene they are together, and I just love when David's like, oh, I wouldn't have let you hang. I would have added, like, shoes and a hat, and I don't know. And eventually a horse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and also just stupid, handsome Josh Dallas in this scene, looking all scruffy in his bathrobe. He is honestly too much. Also, like, what the hell? Why did you name your dog after industrial strength cleaner? That's terrible. Ajax, I think, is a god in mythology. It's also stronger than dirt. <laughs> 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 I used to have to scrub the floors with it. I got an eye twitch. It gave me barista flashbacks I didn't need. <laughs> <laughs> the dog was cute though i saw that photo that that she shows off and it was a cute dog oh i'm not casting aspersions upon how the dog looks Some poor ajax dog be cute with a dumb name here wait hold on i'm gonna look up ajax mythology now i'm fucking irritated that i don't know who he is after that look up ajax stronger than dirt <laughs> it has a jingle oh he's a greek mythological hero okay was he stronger than dirt he's known as ajax the great so we'd assume. Probably watch the cleaners named after Ajax to be like, it's a hero. It'll slay your dirt. <laughs> All right. At home, Mary Margaret and Emma are making homemade s'mores. Damn, I miss toasting marshmallows over an open flame. But who makes s'mores in their kitchen? And I do. And I guess, oh, you do. Mary Margaret does. I think my mom has actually made them before, um, too, now that I think about it. So... I think my parents might have also, but that was because I adamantly refused to camp. You are such a princess. <laughs> I am, and I'm okay with that, and I don't care who knows it. <laughs> Camping, right? That that that's what that's the term that we use when we squeeze six people in a in a hotel room at a con, right? Listen, listen, we didn't have power in our house for eight hours yesterday, and I looked at Elisa and went, "Oh no, we're camping." <laughs> I know. I I we sat outside. Sat outside for like an hour at the end of the day. Like peasants. Like peasants. It was really nice. <laughs> All right. Uh, so Mary Margaret confesses that she has feelings for David. And it would be easier if Catherine wasn't a nice person. However, Emma warns her not to get involved with a married man. Henry arrives crying at their door. Emma, as soon as he shows up, looks ready to kill a man. Doubly so since this time they made Henry cry. Like you do not want to mess with her. Oh, I love it. She's ready to go full Bane on Archie for making Henry cry. Like, she's going to just snap him over her knee. It's beautiful. 
Where's Archie? And she could. She's a beast. (laughs) Archie is at home when Emma storms in and demands to know what he did to upset Henry. He insists he made the right decision. Before they can hash it out any further, a frantic Regina calls and asks Emma where Henry is. Emma says she has no idea. Archie realizes Henry went to the mine. We cut to a shot of Henry entering the mine shaft. Henry walking into that mine is just our beloved chaotic neutral Henry being like, I will show you. I will show you all. Yes. I'm just going to say, like, listen, Regina, you can't take literacy and mine shafts away from a child and not expect him to go stir crazy. (laughs) But I did want to remark on the fact that Henry brought, like, in his, like, survival pack, like, a shit ton of candy bars. (laughs) 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 In, like, true Goonies fashion. It's like the yeah. ultimate kid logic of I'm going to be down there for a while. I'll need sustenance. Yeah. Candy bars. Candy. Candy. Gigantic Wonka-sized <laughs> fucking candy bars. I mean, I think they had nuts. So, you know, protein. 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 Yeah, some protein in there. Not going to lie. I was definitely a let's go explore this dangerous mineshaft kind of kid. I wanted to be a Goonie so bad. So I was willing to throw myself headfirst into any weird exploratory dangerous situation i definitely wasn't but we've discussed that <laughs> yeah i wasn't yes. either <laughs> i definitely I, wasn't i'm not going down there it's dirty kind of a child. <laughs> i was like dirt mm. like <laughs> well, dirt is dirty i would cry uh, until i could get a bath <laughs> no i was definitely like the child who like as soon as the saturday morning cartoons were over i was out the door and i only came home when i was hungry yeah, no, I, I had a handwritten sign on my bedroom door that said that you needed to wash your hands before you entered my room and touched my toys. Did you really? I did. No I wish I was lying about <laughs> how weird young baby Lynn was. But no, I had a I had a sign that I wrote in crayon on the back of a takeout menu on my door that said, you will wash your hands before you come into my room and touch my toys. I will know. I had a fake doorbell that was pasted to the bottom of it that was totally like one of those like touch button plays a song from a greeting card things that Mm -hmm. I dissected and stuck on the bottom. And I was like, you will ring the doorbell. You would have hated me. I just would have cried a lot and then had to crawl into a bath. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. In the enchanted forest of the past, we see Rumpelstiltskin spinning straw into golden thread when Jiminy comes to see him with his collection of stolen goods. As Rumpelstiltskin gives him the gold thread in return, he notices Jiminy's hesitation and asks what else Jiminy is seeking. Jiminy admits he wants to be free to be someone else, but something keeps holding him back. Rumpelstiltskin asks if there's something or someone, and Jiminy admits it's his parents. The sorcerer offers Jiminy a vial of potion to put in their food, but points out that Jiminy has nothing to pay him with. He tells Jiminy to leave his parents for him as a payment for the potion. Jiminy wonders what will become of them. Rumpelstiltskin assures him they'll be in safe hands. After a moment, Jiminy takes the vial and departs. 
I really like Rumpelstiltskin's makeup and costume here, even though his costume does go against his signature colors, which of course we rarely see him out of. His signature colors are usually like a Bordeaux red, dark browns and dark gold. The blue is a very nice variation. I'm unsure if they picked it arbitrarily uh, because they were still figuring out his look or if they were trying to hint at a future plot point that has yet to be revealed. I just want to know, why is Jiminy having to drop off the stolen goods at Rumpelstiltskin's, though? Like, is it ever explained? Like, him getting the potion was just an afterthought. So what's the story here? Is his family in debt to Rumpelstiltskin? Uh, yeah, I, I think they they probably, I don't know if they filmed, I know that there's there are some deleted scenes, so I don't know if they, like, filmed a scene that, it, that like, shows Rumpelstiltskin making a deal with you know, the parents or, you know, they just send Jiminy on their behalf or whatever, but it probably is just like, you know, steal these things and yeah, I'll give you like some golden thread that you can then, you know, turn into coinage and such, which we'll, we'll come to find out that he does do with various people. Like, you know, they, they steal things for him and he just pays them yeah. in gold. Yeah. We come back quite a few times. Yeah. So that's not an anomaly for Rumpelstiltskin, but why specifically Jiminy and his parents yeah, plot? <laughs> Hand wavy. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> so we return to Storybrooke with Archie and Emma outside the mine. They find one of Henry's discarded candy bars and realize he's gone inside. So it's an Apollo bar. So it's our lost reference number two. Um, maybe there's actually probably more. That's just the second one that I caught. There has been more. I can't remember them all. We then see Henry walk through the mine shaft and find a piece of decorative glass in the wall. As he removes it, the ceiling starts to come down. Outside, Archie enters the mine shaft to rescue the boy and the entrance collapses behind him before Emma can follow him. Inside, Archie lights a match and calls out to Henry and the boy runs up to him. The psychiatrist insists they need to get out but Henry runs in the tunnels, telling Archie to follow him. After a moment, Archie follows the boy into the mine. Uh, returning to Jiminy's story in the Enchanted Forest, Jiminy's parents force him to take part in their latest con, posing as weary travelers in need of respite at the home of a young couple, Stephen and Donna. There's real bad hair choices in this scene. Bad hair choices were just made all around. <laughs> There's some weird hair. It's bad. It's not weird. It's bad. Also, Stephen and Donna, like... Is this like a 70s sitcom? Like, yeah, what is they, this? Yeah. Really, they didn't really attempt to have an even remotely fantasy name for them. They're just like Stephen and Donna Brown from up the street. Right. And then this is our son, Geppetto. What the fuck? Yeah. Like, it's like, That's okay. Voice. I mean, I mean, they must be Gen Xers because Gen Xers are definitely like notorious for naming their children like very distinct names. Apple with an X. Martin and Myrna tell the couple there is a plague in the next town, but they are safe because they have an elf potion. They sell it to the desperate couple for everything they have and leave. Jiminy gives them the bottle and goes with his parents, but objects to stealing from them. His parents insist it's okay, but Jiminy has enough and throws the contents of Rumpelstiltskin's bottle at them. However, Martin says he switched bottles and they gave the potion to the couple. Jiminy runs back into the house and finds the couple has been transformed into grotesque wooden puppets holding hands. His parents come in and chuckle at their success. And then the couple's boy, the same boy from the fair, comes in. He stares at his transformed parents in horror and demands to know what Jiminy did to them. I've been to the Poopenhausen, which is 
like a puppet museum in Berlin, which has all of these amazing puppets dating back hundreds and hundreds of years. I don't know if the credit goes to Bill Bird, the prop master on Once Upon a Time, but they really did their homework because these wooden puppets are the perfect blend of old timey and terrifying. They are so creepy. Like, I think the scariest thing that's ever has been and never will be on Once Upon a Time are those puppets. Yeah, these horrible things have haunted my nightmares since I first saw this episode. And I don't, I don't, why do they need to be this way? I just, I hate it. Yeah, I, I love puppets and I love marionettes, like, and dolls and, and things. Um, I have, like, a really deep fascination for them, hence why I went to the Poopenhausen in Berlin. But yeah, they, they Please really- Please say Poopenhausen, like, five more times. <laughs> Poopenhausen, 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 Poopenhausen. Thank you. That is my day made. <laughs> Um, I just like like big snaps to the prop team because puppets really did look like that. Like they looked wooden and grotesque and just absolutely horrifying. Oh no, puppets puppets is a general statement unless we're talking like Jim Henson. Terrify me. So there you go. Puppets. Puppets. In present day, Archie finds Henry deep within the mine. The psychiatrist says they have to get out. Archie warns they're trapped with no way out. Henry accuses Archie of thinking he's insane. Outside, the townspeople gather to try and remove the debris from the mine shaft. When another quake shifts the area, Regina tells them to stop. Emma says Henry went into the mine because of her meddling with Archie's therapy. Archie's dog, good boy Pongo, begins barking. Inside, Archie and Henry hear it and follow the voice. Meanwhile, Emma tells Regina they have to stop arguing and work together to save Henry. Regina asks her to help. Marco suggests explosives uh, to punch an opening. Inside, Archie and Henry find an old mine elevator. They start cranking it upward. Meanwhile, the firemen plant the explosives. When the charges go off, the elevator is jarred loose and drops several dozen feet downward before stopping. Meanwhile, Emma runs to the entrance but discovers they've failed. I know what will help this situation. Explosives. Dynamite. This this thing's caving in on itself and is already incredibly unstable. What if we throw explosives in it? That'll like, make it better. Like, be I got great. some TNT and a beauty of a plan. <laughs> <laughs> what a great idea, crazy old prospector. <laughs> At the hospital, Mary Margaret is leaving for the day when David approaches her. He explains he's starting his physical therapy and has been told to walk outside with an escort. David hints he could use a volunteer, to which Mary Margaret agrees. Outside, David tries to remember the town and explains he feels like he woke up in some strange land. He admits he lied about remembering the dog to protect Catherine's feelings. Mary Margaret says he must feel lonely. David says she's the only thing in this world that feels right and familiar to him. So I think this is actually a really interesting thing during this part of the show, that they show that David being out of alignment with the curse and how it just doesn't have the the correct effect on him. Uh, I think it's interesting. Also, Mary Margaret is so fucking cute in this part. I can't even with her. So cute. Like her little her so little cute. piece and her little pixie cut. I can't even deal with her. So cute. But also, I'm glad David agrees with me that no one would name a dog after industrial cleaner. I think this part is super adorable. And I, I do think they do a really excellent job conveying that he is out of alignment, as you said. They do, and it's it's very it it's very interesting that it's like I don't know they kind of almost give him like he's the one who can kind of see through the curse in this one particular section. Yeah, good stuff. So Catherine comes up 
behind them and offers him cranberry muffins, his favorite. Mary Margaret starts to leave. David asks if he'll see her tomorrow, and after a moment, Mary Margaret walks away without a word. Okay, no shade, but I don't know anyone outside of my 63-year-old mother whose favorite muffin is cranberry. Is David like Orville Redenbacher or something? Like, that is a weird detail that the curse gave to Charming. Favorite muffin or just that he likes it? No, she says they're your favorite. They're David's no, I'm, favorite. I'm saying it's the umbrage here that he likes it or that it's his favorite because I like cranberry muffins. Oh, no, no, no. Like it, it, it the, but that it's your favorite, you know? I'm like, it's just such a old-fashioned kind of uh, taste bud to have. Yeah, in the world of like your your lemon blueberry and your pumpkin muffin. I mean, in your espresso muffins. I mean, muffins have, have muffin flavors have come a very long way, you know? So I just find it, I find it very interesting and, and, and an odd detail. My, my fashion kind of a guy. This is true. <laughs> I mean, the curse is essentially a fanfic writer, you know, like, like Regina did not make all of like these details. Like there are a few caveats that she made sure were in there, but the curse filled in these details. So I mean, that it possibly just essentially had a bowl full of slips of paper. And it was yeah. like, shit, shit, we need, we need a flip. Ah, uh, cr- cranberry. 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 He likes cranberry. That's, that's what we're going with. Uh, so Regina snaps at the rescue teams, but Emma calms her down. Marco suggests they can drill down if they know where Archie and Henry are. Emma releases Pongo, who goes to a spot on the ground and starts digging. They remove a metal plate to reveal an air shaft. Yay, Pongo, hero of the day. In the elevator, Henry apologizes to Archie for trapping them. Ah, uh, poor Henry. He suffers from an affliction that is both genetic and adopted called, oops, I crossed the line and went too far. The psychiatrist assures him it's fine. Archie goes on to clarify that he doesn't think Henry is crazy, but explains Regina has a clear idea of what she wants for Henry and is scared when her son deviates from it. Archie says it's also okay for Henry to be free to think what he wants and apologizes for what he said. When Henry asks why he said what he did, Archie admits he's not the man he wants to be. The elevator shifts again as it starts to give out. I'm really glad that Archie knows how to apologize and talk to Henry like a human being worthy of respect because I really hate it when adults condescend to kids. Yeah, it's it's a really nice scene and Archie's just kind of like, I don't think you're crazy. Just think your mom will literally murder me if I step out of line. Sorry about that. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's a nice scene. Above, Marco and the others remove the grill. Regina wonders what to do next. In the mine, Henry tells Archie he can be Jiminy Cricket and that the cricket once was a man who took a long time to figure out the right thing to do. Archie admits that Jiminy does sound like him. Henry explains that due to the curse, it's harder for Archie to hear the voice inside him and be who he wants to be. Above ground, Emma volunteers to take the line down so it won't hit the sides of the shaft and set off another collapse. When Regina tries to do it herself, Emma warns the mayor isn't physically up to the challenge. After a moment, Regina agrees and asks Emma to bring her son safely back to her. Hashtag Henry has two moms. I swear to God, I and Lynn can agree with me because we talked about it while we were watching it. Regina for like a split second there when she goes in to talk to Emma, I'm like, is she going to kiss her? (laughs) She does a head tilt. She does a nose avoidance head tilt. There there is a lot of... There are, are a lot of screenshots of this scene. 
and I can see why because she 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 leans in like she's gonna plant one on her and stops like one inch away from Emma's face before she's like, "Bring back my son." And I was like, "They're on." I've seen this episode, so I know they're not gonna. But are they gonna kiss? Yes. <laughs> As they wait, Archie asks Henry again why it's so important that the curse be real. Henry explains there must be more than the everyday world, but has yet to find any proof. Archie says he does remember the person he wants to be, and he just needs to listen harder. You know, this immersive therapy is very experimental and very intense. They're still working out the kinks. They hear Emma come down the shaft and drop onto the elevator. And she comes in looking like the most improbably hot superhero. And I think we need to take a moment to just appreciate how incredibly good she looked in this scene. Mm. she looked very good very good archie hands henry up to her the elevator finally gives way plummeting down the shaft but archie catches a hook with his umbrella saving himself this shot should be an advertisement for whatever brand of carabiner that emma has hitched on her uh belt loop there archie saving himself with the umbrella it's very sweet and whimsical and I think it's a really nice moment. It's just very like fairy tale happy ending in like this modern setting. And I just think it's really cute. Agreed. Um, the three of them climb out of the mines. Regina immediately embraces Henry and tells Emma to clear away the crowd. Emma looks like she is going to kill Regina after Regina brushes her off immediately after she saved Henry. And like, I would not blame Emma if she had killed Regina in that moment because ouch, it was cold. Yeah, like, Jesus, Regina, if that woman went into a collapsing mine shaft, at least let her check on the kid. Like, calm down for a damn second. Hashtag Henry only has one mom, except for when it's convenient. <laughs> Hashtag there can be only one. <laughs> <laughs> the mayor goes to thank Archie. He tells her he's going to treat Henry the way he wants to, despite Regina warning him she has not changed her orders. Archie tells her he'll always do his best and that if she doesn't let him do what he needs to do to properly treat Henry, he threatened to testify against her in any future custody battle. Regina is shook. I love Archie's new spine. I know. I'm so proud of you, Archie. We go back to the enchanted forest. It's night and Jiminy stands outside his parents' wagons, looking up at the stars and makes a wish. The blue fairy arrives and uh. warns him she can't <laughs> warns him she can't bring back the boy's parents. However, she says that Archie can find redemption by helping the couple's orphaned boy and asks who Archie would want to be if he could get away from his parents. Jiminy listens to the crickets and silently makes his wish. The blue fairy grants it, transforming him into a cricket. Jiminy says that he's free, and she tells him to find the boy, Geppetto. Oh, thank God the nightmare jellyfish woman is here to judge everyone. Also, she has like the most power. She could probably bring back the kid's parents. She just can't be asked. Yeah. Why can't oh, yeah. she fix the puppets? Yeah. She's because she sucks. Because she sucks. Because she's just being a bitch. And it happens again and again. Like she's like, I can't reverse it. I can't fix it. I can't fix it. It's like you you can though. You just don't feel like it. Yeah. I love Raphael Sparge in this Sabarge? I don't know. I'm sorry, sir. Uh, in this scene, the Blue Fairy doesn't even irk me as much as she does usually because he is such a tremendous actor, especially with his facial expressions, as I said earlier. Like, you can really feel the turmoil he's been living with his whole life and see the inspiration as he finds his inner strength to go down his new path. I love him. Yeah, I love him too. He's he's so good in this episode. But yeah, fuck the blue fairy. 
she's the worst and she's really rude to him about his wish and it makes me angry she really is gosh she's just whole thing that you didn't have to wish it so loud it's like he was just thinking you stupid cow yeah <laughs> like who is finding this endearing I don't I don't know a single person who likes this character I truly People don't know whose don't favorite know character anyone. trope is battle axes <laughs> I guess, yeah. I mean, I like a good femdom, but she is not one. No, no, I said oh, no, battle axe. No. <laughs> There's a difference. Back in Storybrooke, Emma watches Archie and Marco talk, wondering aloud if the elderly Marco is Archie's father. Henry says they're old friends. As they talk, Henry points out they can hear the crickets now. Things are changing. Do you think the crickets coming back? It's clear it symbolizes the curse weakening. Uh, but do you think it's because it's like letting down the barriers and like edit, letting outside life like break through more? Or is it simply because, you know, things are changing, things are moving, so the curse is weakening? I, so... I think it's all of them. I think it's all yeah. of that. All of the above. Like it's it's weakening. So it's, yeah, it's letting in out like outside forces come in. But um, I think, I don't know, <laughs> the power of the cricket is now stronger. Yeah, all I all I had written down for this scene was hooray Emma, you brought insects into town. <laughs> the locusts are here. The, you brought a plague of locusts plague. upon Thanks, us. Thanks, Emma. Surprise. Oh wait, that's grasshoppers. Never mind. <laughs> Listen, as someone as someone whose cat frequently brings these sorts of things yeah. as trophies, I can tell you it's not pleasant. And we should not thank Emma. At his shop. Mr. Gold walks past the puppets of Donna and Stephen. Uh, we then see Mary Margaret return to the hospital and deliver her letter of resignation. At the mine, Regina drops a piece of glass down the shaft to join the many other pieces she has dropped there, revealing they are shards of Snow White's glass coffin. And credits. And speaking of credits, why is young Geppetto just listed as young fairy tale boy? Why? No. That was a choice. I mean, to, to be honest, like, okay, so speaking of credits, so Martin and Myrna, like, those are his parents' names, but those are names that go digging in the Once Upon a Time wiki for because they're credited as the puppet dragon and the puppet princess because that's, like, their stage names. And I'm like, I'm just going to go ahead with Martin and Myrna for the... <laughs> purposes of this narration that's just bizarre yeah and like it and even like on their imdb it says like the puppet dragon and the puppet princess which i i understand right like because they're performers but still i'm like but they have like actual names that you hear in the episode i don't think we ever do hear them do you not no because i had My to go to lie yeah no you never because you know those are his parents so and so it's just mom and dad but I don't think anybody refers to like, them. I feel like they refer to each I might be wrong, but I feel like they speak to each other and use the names. Cause like I I felt like when I saw them the names in the write-up, I wasn't like, oh, that's what their names were. Huh. All right. I could be wrong. But you know, I had very little to say about this episode overall. It's not a bad episode by any means. I mean, we had to get like a Jiminy Geppetto backstory. So here we are. So yeah, my attention to detail wasn't as keen as it usually is. When I look back on Once Upon a Time, I do often forget this episode. This time around, I felt like I appreciated it more, especially the storybook scenes. I thought the plot around Archie and Henry was pretty strong. 
Um, it was a nice follow-up to the setup about Archie being controlled by Regina and making those terrible choices also in episode two. I think Raphael really kills it in this episode and, and makes you care about Jiminy slash Archie even when the CG around him or the performances around him are, are a little too over the top. And overall, it also makes me sad that they never really give Archie focus like this again, uh, because I do think he's an interesting character that they could have explored more. But honestly, and, and mostly just because his acting, uh, he just, you really care about him. I, I think he's really empathetic. I, I like watching him. I like watching him emote. Like I said earlier, he's really relaxing. I, I think he did a great job. And damn, I wish they used him more at this point forward. And and he's he's very background for the rest of the show, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I agree. I agree with you guys that while this isn't a bad episode, it's not the most memorable. Although I will say that the nightmare dolls have stuck with me constantly so I remember this episode sheerly because of them and I hate them and I hate that I have to live in a world that they exist somewhere in <laughs> because they're the worst but I love Archie I do but I'll also have to admit that 85% of my affection for him is that he's the voice actor of my Canadian space husband in Mass Effect so there's that also this episode needed more Pongo he's a good boy he's a good boy he's a good doggo He's a good boy. He is the he is arguably the hero of the episode. I would say so. I would not disagree with that. Let's get that dog a medal. Next time on Once Upon a Rewatch, David must choose between staying with Catherine or leaving her to be with Mary Margaret, with whom he has fallen deeply and inexplicably in love with. Emma catches stupid handsome Graham in a lie. Meanwhile, back in the fairy tale world that was, Prince Charming is about to encounter a life-changing event that will forever alter his destiny. Join us next Sunday as we discuss Season 1, Episode 6, The Shepherd. Thank you for tuning in to Once Upon a Rewatch. We are the Narrators 3. The moral of this episode is, sometimes when the going gets tough, you just have to say fuck it and become a bug. You can find us on anchor.fm slash onceuponarewatch, on Twitter at onceuponrewatch, and at Tumblr at onceuponarewatch.tumblr.com. I want to say a very special thank you to the master of free music, Kevin McLeod. Our intro music is Frost Waltz, and our outro is Fairy Tale Waltz. And remember, all pod devices come with a price. Her work also includes writing for shows such as Warehouse 13, Torchwood, uh, Caprica, Bowser. Caprica? Oh, sorry. <laughs> I've never watched it. Uh, I think you said like paprika. Paprika! Uh, <laughs> Warehouse 13, Torchwood, Caprica. I said it again! <laughs> Turmeric. Here, think think like Capricorn. Capricorn. Cap Cap like Capricorn. Caprica. Caprica.